Welcome back to the Athlete Hackers Podcast. I'm Chris Schrade. And I'm Mark Spellman. Thanks for joining us today. Um, before we get with our guest, uh, Jeremy Tormella, we're going to discuss our um, last two podcasts and our big takeaways. One, um, the Assistant Strength and Conditioning and Applied Scientist um, at NC State, Sam Moore. Um, the importance of um, talking with your female athletes and um, using and optimizing the menstrual cycle for their uh, strength gains and performance gains and making sure that you're having those open and honest uh, discussions that a lot of coaches um, are afraid to have. It's a fascinating podcast. You know, the, the, one of the most interesting things to me was the, the part in the cycle where they actually go catabolic and you can lose gains, but you can overcome that with certain nutritional habits and, you know, paying attention to what training you're providing at that point. Yeah, any coach, any coach or parent that has a, a female athlete um, in their house or on their team or, or that they're working with, I definitely recommend it. Um, and obviously the contact information, if you want to talk more about it, uh, to reach out to Sam Moore, it's definitely there in the um, podcast. The other one, um, the opportunity to talk with one of my mentors, uh, Mark Asanovich, and the importance of training the neck and shoulder girdle and how it decreases the likelihood or um, possibility of concussions, um, not only for combative sports, but for all sports. Yeah. Um, and just the opportunity to catch up with somebody who's been so instrumental in my life. So, yeah, he's got uh, not only, I mean, the neck portion is incredibly important, like you said, for every sport. And Mark, that's something you've been harping on ever since I knew, I knew you. You've been talking about training the neck to prevent concussions. Uh, but he's got some pretty good principles to go by that he talks about in that podcast as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, he hammered home the four P's when I was with him in Tampa, and then he added the fifth P for politically correct, mm -hmm. which, uh, I, I mean, I, I know our, our guests can definitely talk about um, in the setting that he's in now, and a lot of coaches don't, don't understand that the words that they use and the actions that they have with their athletes carry such a um, positive or negative connotation depending on what verbiage they're using with their athletes. Mark, uh, I'm as always going to let you bring uh, our host in because you uh, you're you're such a genuine and incredible host and do a great job at that. But I wanted to uh, point out that uh, Jeremy is our first guest uh, that reached out to us on, on the email. Uh, I want to know if he could come on, and poof, there he is. <laughs> He's on. So if uh, if you're interested in coming on, if you uh, if you coach kids in sports at any level, uh, if you're uh, strength coach if you're an athlete if you're a parent if you want to come on talk about certain um, topics or just get on and ask us questions we'd love to have you uh, look us up uh, or send us an email at info at athletehackers.com yes as as uh, Chris as Chris said I guess I'm the hype man for the show um, <laughs> you're, you're so. way more than that but you just do a, you're very hospitable well you know I'm you, know how to make, you know how to make people feel comfortable. Well, okay. Um, and, and uncomfortable for my former athlete. <laughs> um, it's, my, it's my distinct honor and privilege to um, have our next guest on the show, Coach Jeremy Tormala. Um, before, before we get into it, um, I have to thank you for your service. 
Um, uh, he is uh, retired military. Uh, yeah, I did five years, so I did my my time of service, and then got out of there. So, <laughs> um, so Jeremy, it's more than most. So thank you. Yeah, yeah I appreciate I mean, you guys. Uh, I, I I truly I'm uh, uh, any anybody that's served our country and has helped protect us. I, I definitely thank you for your time and service. And uh, you know, I speak for this show that we appreciate your service to our country. Um, but Jeremy, give us a rundown where you are, what you've done, where you've been, all that good stuff, and then we'll and then we'll get into hacking it up. All righty. Well, currently I'm the uh, strength and conditioning coach for the Muskegon Lumberjacks. It's a United States Hockey League team. It's the top tier junior hockey in the United States of America. I'm also the uh, head strength and conditioning coach for two high schools at the same time. Uh, prior to this, I was the assistant strength and conditioning coach at Northern Michigan University. I worked with women's basketball, women's lacrosse, both men and women's swim and diving teams, and I picked up men's soccer as well. Prior to that, I was at Muskegon as well and Fruitport High School, so I kind of came back to what I was doing prior. Um, before that, I did a couple uh, sports academies. That's kind of where I really developed the passion of working strictly with athletes because we had some gen pops there as well. Um, but athletes have specific goals they're trying to achieve, so to me that's much more enjoyable than uh, – and there's nothing wrong with the general population, but when you just want to be healthy, like, I mean – you can do that so many different ways when someone needs to be explosive or I need to get stronger. That's my passion. You know, that's, that was something that really uh, was something that drew me into it. So that's pretty much what my experience has been minus the military too. That's where I developed my passion for all this stuff. So what, um, so right now, I, I, I think one of the things that hit me, how, how, how are you a strength coach for two different schools? Oh boy. It's, uh, they kind of, uh, and do, and do they play each other? Uh, no, it, it, it would be, it would be, it would be hard to, if, if they did, because that would be quite the, uh, predicament on who to, who to root for. Um, <laughs> the, the company I work, so I'm actually contracted through, uh, it's Mercy Health Partners and they opened up a position and that was one way to get it to be, uh, the full time and benefits and stuff was to have these different positions. Cause if I was just to be with the lumberjacks hockey team, I would be a part-time position. So they uh, have the position to go, Hey, you can go do three hours of weightlifting at this high school and then be responsible for the uh, strength and conditioning for the other high school as well for the after school hours and their football team that would make it full time. So it's like, obviously wouldn't turn that down. So. So currently, currently, if I'm not mistaken, you have three jobs. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so for the younger strength coaches out there, understand right now, um, three jobs and full time, yep. uh, you know, you're dealing with a high level, high level junior hockey and yep. we'll get more into that Two high schools. Yeah. Um, how do you break up that time? I mean, Oh, oh boy. It, <laughs> some days can be and in there. Sometimes I have, uh, there's a youth hockey, the Muskegon junior Jack. So it's the 14 and under teams. So Last year, some my schedule sometimes would be, you know, six o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night because I'd go to do the high school, do a football lift before school starts. Then I'd go to the other school, do three hours of weightlifting, then go do Muskegon Lumberjacks for a few hours and go to the other high school for after school stuff and then go do the youth hockey team. So it'd be it'd be all over the place. But I mean, when you know, it's sad to say, but after you go, you know, the emotions of working with the different athletes and their personalities and stuff. When you get to 1400 kids and they really test your patience, you're kind of hard to keep, keep from, uh, you know, I, I guess 
going going punish everybody with sprints and all that stuff because your patience has been so run thin by the end of the day. So, but at the same time, you you, you love what you do and you got to understand that they're kids. That's the biggest thing is you know they you know you got to make it fun for them. Uh, well, at the same time, as making them a better athlete. So that's kind of the the key to finding how that works. What age group are you working with with the um with the lumberjacks? The lumberjacks, we are. Our age range is 16 to 20 years of old age, so you have uh, quite quite the age bracket of maturity levels and experiences there. So that can be kind of a kind of a little bit of a art to it to be able to work with that team chemistry. Okay, what um when you run me run me basically through their season, like when when they when when preseason starts, what's what a season looks like for them and postseason if if you if you can. Yeah, so. Uh, you're really the first coach that we're talking with uh, that that works with youth hockey. Yeah, and and this is actually because when I was at Northern Michigan, we, we had a, a D1 hockey program, and to me, this is this is harder because there, there's a lot more that goes on at this league than there is at the college level. So our preseason begins early September. Um, we we usually go a couple of weeks, and we have to make our final 23-man roster. And then we go into our season and playoffs and stuff don't begin until April. And then the last series is usually played in May. So it's a very long, a long season. season. During, the, during the season, we also have trades. Um, then you have players that come from different country, countries like Finland, Russia, and some of them can't speak English. So there's that barrier as well. It, it's, it's pretty chaotic. Um, it's, it's, it's a grind. They got 60 regular season games, you know, and that, that's way more than the college level. And it's, it's a, you know, some of these kids are still going to school at high school too, doing it online. It's a lot to ask of them to play at this level. And Mark, uh, did you have a hockey team at Fairfield? When we first started, when when I first started, we had hockey, and then two years into my two years into my tenure there, they got rid of they got rid of football, and the hockey team was training that night. And I looked at them, I was like, "Do you think, guys, you think they're only getting rid of one sport?" And I didn't know anything. And I, I, I swear to this day, I knew nothing about that that they were getting rid of hockey. And then, like two days later, they got rid of hockey. Oh. And the guys, it, 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 oh, it gets better. Um, the guys still had like a third of the season left. Wow. Football was done, so they they cut football. Football was done. They weren't training. They weren't doing stuff. I still worked out the guys that wanted to train. Yeah. But like hockey. Like they sat them down two days after football and they're like, yeah, this is your last season here. And they still had a third of, uh, like I said, they still had a third of the season to play. And I wound up being, because their last hockey game was um, during the basketball tournament for the Mac. I wound up being the senior administrator for their last hockey game. (laughs) (laughs) And I told, I told all the players, I was like, listen, if any one of your parents comes up and yells at me about this decision, we're going to have problems. <laughs> no, you know, I don't want you guys to be, you know, I don't want you guys going anywhere. I love training the hockey guys because yeah. most of the guys that I had came from the junior, junior hockey world. So I had 21 year old freshmen. It was great. Yeah. You know? so a question for both of you. Um, how does the strength and conditioning training for hockey athletes differ from, from other athletes? Jeremy, I'll let you take this one. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I guess I wouldn't say there's really that many differences uh, compared to other sports. I mean, most, you know, most sports, you, you pretty much do the same thing. There's some slight differences primarily in their, you know, the de- development of their energy systems. That might be the, the major difference. Um, 
But my philosophy for training pretty much any of my teams are we always do some sort of jump. We do uh, some sort of a squat, a hinge, a push, and a pull for every one of our workouts. Pretty straightforward. Um, uh, at the uh, risk of sounding ignorant, I mean, because I know nothing about hockey, but is there a big endurance factor? Or, I mean, uh, you know, you're skating on ice. Is it more just muscular or is there a big endurance factor as well? Uh, there's, a, there's a little bit. I mean, there's no friction on the ice but at the same time it's it's different from running and all that stuff because you can you can do all the 300 yards and all that stuff you want on the dry land but when you put somebody on skates it, it works completely different I mean because it's more in the the frontal and the transverse planes and the sagittal plane compared to regular sprinting so it's it's, it's quite a bit different um, that being said um, it's not like full-blown endurance because you know the average shift is like 45 seconds and it's not like they're full speed skating that entire time you might have a couple four to six step bursts here and there and then they're likely skating or coasting throughout that time so it's it's a bit of a mix of both they can also get a lot faster than anybody can running on that yes. ice. i mm -hmm. mean and you're talking i mean i think i mean you see it in the nhl now these guys are huge i mean they're huge and then you put them on skates and they're going upwards of 20 miles per hour yep. plus on the ice and they're hitting each other. And, you know, the equipment's gotten better, but it's still not much protection. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you know? there, there's uh, there's more muscular fatigue than, than say cardio fatigue. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's high intense bursts of activity. So yeah, it's, it's more of that than the full blown endurance portions. And, and Mark, what you're saying, if they're going 20 miles an hour in these, these quick bursts is the, the, I guess the, the muscles that are used to stop their momentum are probably incredibly important. Yeah, I mean, like anything, I mean, it doesn't matter how ma how good the gas is if you don't have good brakes. I mean, if if, if your car goes a thousand, if, if your car can go a hundred miles per hour, but you can't stop it, good luck. Yep. Because that, that, that stop's really going to hurt. <laughs> you know, for me, I mean, for, for me with the hockey guys, I mean, we would always train, once again, we would train their neck and shoulder girdle first. Then we would do some some sort of hip dominant lower body some sort of knee dominant lower body we would probably do a bilateral lower body as well and a, and a single uh, and an iso lower body horizontal push horizontal pull vertical push vertical pull and then we would have some sort of finisher whether it was a carry or you know just something that was miserable for them <laughs> something they didn't really like to do but they would also compete with each other yep yep competition's huge so Comp yeah, competition is huge. I mean, because if you can, if you can beat your teammate, and then when you come together, beating your opponent's not that big of a deal. Exactly. So it's it's the the biggest mindset to maintain during the you know the uh, training session is you're you're going to be competing, so you got to keep that level. I mean, if you just go through the motions, you don't do it on the ice. It can come back and bite you. So. Um. What kind of uh, what kind of injuries are we looking at for hockey? What are the big ones? Oh boy, a lot of, I mean, Mark touched on a little bit too with the, the shoulder girdle. So a lot of shoulder stuff, uh, hips as well. Um, these are primary injury points and sometimes the ankle too because we got mobility issues with having to wear a, a boot on there. But hips and shoulders primarily the big ones I see at that level. And Mark talks a lot about the uh, hip, knee, uh, ankle uh, communication and coordination i imagine that's huge for skating yes well, I mean, like, like jeremy like jeremy said i mean the boot that they're in for hockey is ridiculous 
ridiculous as far as um, ankle mobility. I mean, they're basically wearing a cast on their foot. Mm. Um, so like making sure that their ankle mobility and their hip mobility is where it is. Um, you know, you get a lot of hip and groin issues with the repetitive motion of skating because it, it is not a normal running motion. I mean, they're always pushing out. So, I mean, to make sure that their groin, make sure that their abductors and adductors are balanced in their hip, in their hip joint is important. Um, but I mean, I mean, Jeremy can speak to this. You know, most successful hockey players, I mean, the backside on them is phenomenal. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they can, they can, they can move big weight as far as uh, squats, deadlifts. Yeah. Single leg, single leg squats, rear foot elevated split squats i mean they can and most 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 hockey kids when they probably get to you they've already had a couple years of training under their belt yes and i guess that would be the lead kind of in the next talking point of like if if there's parents or kids wondering how to make it out because i mean it is people look at junior hockey always as junior hockey but i mean we get we have a lot of players at this league that go right up and play in the nhl or a lot of uh, d1 college uh, scholarships as well mm -hmm. you have to get in the weight room like so many parents um all the speed, agility, drills, and all that stuff, you can do them all. But if your kid's not strong, you don't have any foundation to get explosiveness and speed out of it. Like, they have to be in the weight room. And there is, I, don't, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Patrick Kane. He's a player for the Chicago Blackhawks. And yep. there was an article that came out, I don't remember if it was Sports Illustrated or whatever, and I don't know how long ago it was, talked about how he doesn't do any weight training this summer and all that stuff anymore. And then you had parents that were going, well, he doesn't train. So why does my kid? It's just like, well, he's an NHL player who's multiple Stanley cup championships. So like your kid is 14. Like that's a big difference. So being able to communicate that, like you're, you're not even on the same playing field. You need to have a strong foundation before you can consider you're someone, you know, to train somebody like Patrick Kane. That's a whole different beast right there. I love it. I love it. Why doesn't, why doesn't my 14 year old son, why, 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 why can't my 14 year old son, do what Patrick Kane yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, first of all, Patrick Kane's a grown ass man. Yeah. He's he's 28, probably low 30s now. And your son, your son or daughter is 14. Yep. And I guarantee you at 14, Patrick Kane was in a weight room. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I guarantee it. I mean I and, and if not, he he had the genetic potential yes. to be able yep. to perform the stuff that maybe your kid can't and needs weight training to be able to catch up. Yes. Yeah, just because just because a professional athlete does or doesn't do something doesn't mean your adolescent child should or should not do it. I mean, I'm always a big believer that, you know, you got to work on movement patterns first. And then if the movement patterns are good, then we can load them. If the movement patterns aren't good, we got to get them right before we, before we load them up or we're just going to add additional stress to the structure. And at some point the structure is going to break. Yep. Yeah, that's that's very true. What are we looking at in uh, in average sizes for hockey players, and does it, does it vary by position or is it kind of stable? Yeah, it 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 varies. I mean, God, we got we got some of our forwards on our team be like, you know, five nine, five ten. You got some that are six feet plus. Our goalies typically now goalies are above six feet tall. Before they were kind of smaller. Now now they're a taller, lankier type of guys. Defensemen are. A combination of both you got taller but also more size to them more of the physical kind players so it's a pretty mixed bag at that you know with hockey and how about for weight what are we looking at oh boy <laughs> I'd, I'd, 
usually like a, 185 pounds for our forwards and then up to, you know, 220, 225-ish uh, for our, you know, defensemen and stuff like that. Goalies are about 190, 200. But relatively speaking, compared to other sports, it's kind of a small window. Is that is that accurate, Mark? Um, I, I when 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 you asked about size, I, I mean, the two guys I was thinking about was Martin St. Louis and uh, Zendo Zendo Chara. I mean, Chara when he was on when he's on skates, he's over seven feet tall. Oh wow! And then and 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 Jeremy, you can correct me on Martin St. Louis, but I mean, he's like five six. Yeah, he's a small guy. But but once again, Chara's a defenseman, and uh, St. Louis he's a he's a forward. Yeah. But but once again, I mean, if you're if you're St. Louis and you're going into the corner and Chara's coming at you, I mean, you better get the hell out of there because he's yeah. going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, and to me, what's amazing about Chara is you know he's six foot nine and he's made it so long he's still playing. I mean, it's it's crazy to make a career that long, especially when you're that big. Typically, athletes that tall, you have a lot of you know the hip and knee issues and stuff like that. So it's pretty phenomenal to be playing at that level still. I think he's over forty now too. So, wow. and and still one of the hardest shots in the NHL. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's. I, I, it would be interesting to see what he does compared to like what the what the first year guys with Boston do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would assume I would assume they're not doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I doubt that. So. <laughs> so what got you uh, into strength and conditioning? Did it have something to do uh, with your military service, or was it something where you, were you always into sports? What, what led you down this path? I, I I played high school basketball when I was a kid. It's the only thing I could really afford to play. I've always been a hockey fan. Um, but really, it was the military. Um, it was my second tour in Baghdad where they actually had a weight room in one of the bombed out palaces. So I started going out there and realized how much like I felt better. Everything felt easier to do. Um, it led me to, I, I smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. I quit smoking, like all that stuff. So it just kind of snowballed into that. But now, you know, when I look back at our physical training we did and we just do the, I mean, I know people are still doing it right now, but it's, it's mindless training. A lot of it's stupid. Like it makes me scratch my head now and, you know, wonder why we had so many injuries, like half a platoon on crutches or, you know, there's that mentality of just like, Oh, you're just milking it. You're just being a baby and stuff like that. It's like, no, you know, when you're running six to eight miles, three times a week and you're doing nothing but push-ups and sit-ups and you got people with, knee issues and hip issues it's like well yeah look at our training it makes no sense like nowhere like you know in a combat zone did I have to run two miles or even more than that it was always short little bursts of sprints and stuff like that so that was kind of my my design factor of like I want to go I love doing this stuff I want to work with athlete populations make sure they get quality training and they're not going through the same crap that I just went through because unfortunately when I was a sergeant, I did the same, same type of training, you know, uh, there's a strength coach, Anthony Donskoff, his name is, is like talking about experience. Sometimes experience can be overrated because I say, well, my leaders did that. So now I'm doing this, you know, did you have 15 years of experience or did you have one experience 15 times? So, I mean, it can be it looked at differently. That's pretty much what led me into this career field. Yeah, I think right. I think right now the, the military has really stepped back and, and looked at what they're doing as far yes. as training. I mean, I know they're. I know they're definitely looking at the the special ops um, uh, portion because of all the um, financial financial um, investment it takes to yep. uh, uh, become a special operator and all the training that they need to uh, undergo. A million dollars to make a Navy SEAL. <laughs> uh, pretty much. 
Yeah. I mean, so, you know, put that across the board, I would say for all the special operators out there, first and foremost, thank you for your service. But also, you know, um, the military has been a lot better in probably the last five years yeah. as far as what they're requiring their, um, because they, they've really changed their PT. They, uh, they've changed oh, yeah. their yep. um, to um, better, better accommodate the situations that the military officers and uh, enlisted are going to see. Um, and, and it's, you know, I, uh, one time, one time power, um, I forget the general, the gentleman's name, but I'll get it. He, uh, he's been huge with it. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's good to see that, you know, the military's stepping back and realizing that the, the, the way they did things in the seventies, eighties and nineties, isn't what's going to help the military and the special operators now perform at the highest level possible and also make sure that they come home safe and sound and that when they get out of the military, they don't have to be on disability the rest yes. of their lives. Yep. Yeah. You, I imagine you, that six or eight mile run is really for uh, mental fortitude more than actual physical training. Yeah. It's it, what would be frustrating is you'd be in there because uh, you'd have, I mean, where I was, um, we had, um, mixed populations. We had males and females, but we'd be running, you know, everybody running together. You got some people who are super fast and you got others who can hardly run at all. And we're all mixed together and, oh, well, these people can't keep up. So we're just going to keep rounding around and go pick them up. And then, well, you guys aren't fast enough. So now at the end, we're going to go do more PT. It's just like a, stuff like that make any sense. Let's punish you because you can't do what we're already asking you to do. But like Mark said, the, the, uh, the things are changing with it. There's a lot of actually strength and conditioning positions now available to work with the military. There's a lot of strength coaches working side by side with the units to make sure their training is preparing them for combat, which is really great to see. Yeah. I would but, say, uh, go ahead, Mark. I would say any, any strength coach that's looking, looking to get into the field, definitely, definitely look into the military because there are a lot of positions out there right now and you can really help these individuals be the best that they can be. And, and really make a difference, not only in, in the military, but also make a difference in their lives to help them when they, when they get out of the service. Because most of, most of the, especially the special operators, when they get out of their service after 15 to 20 years, their bodies are just destroyed. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you're talking, you're talking multiple knee injuries, you're talking horrible spines, um, just from what they have to do for a job. I mean, you know, if, if you're jumping out of a plane thousand times in a career that's a thousand times that you're landing hopefully <laughs> <laughs> once again the braking system from jumping out of a plane not that good yep oh yeah jamie uh what uh go over your uh your, your service a little bit what branch were you in uh, i was what did you uh do? uh united states army i was uh military police I did actually very little police work when I was overseas. I did two tours to Operation Iraqi Freedom. Um, primarily the roles over there was training the Iraqi police and the Iraqi army while doing combat patrols, which was looking back now, didn't really do a whole lot. It was a little bit of a waste of time, but that was our mission at the t you know, time. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty much what I spent most of my time doing over half of what I spent overseas and that was enough to go, I'm tired of this. I want to, want to go out and live my life. So. What, um, what, what, what's the goal for you? Where, where do you, where, and, and I say this because I, I, I like asking everybody and, 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 uh, 
I talked to Sam last week and she's like, you know, I, I didn't answer anything about my personal life. It was all professional. I was like, eh, okay. Where do you see yourself in three years, five years and 10 years? And what, what, and I'll, I'll throw in uh, another, what kind of impact do you foresee that you have with your athletes now? And where do you see that growing or changing? Oh boy. Well, I, got a, <laughs> I got a little one on the way. So I hope in three years I'm, I'm still doing what I'm doing and being able to provide stability and, you know, income for my family. Um, Is that your first one? Yep. Yep. Yeah. We actually didn't think we were going to be able to have any kids. So we were actually kind of surprised when we found out she was in December of seven weeks pregnant. So super stoked about awesome. it. Awesome. You know, Congratulations. Awesome. Yeah, Congratulations. Thanks. Cannot Sweet wait now. for that. So. <laughs> What's that? Now, sleep now. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been hearing. <laughs> but um, five years, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. Like I, trying to make the grass green where I'm at. So try not to be focused on too much in the future and just focus on the here and now and, our kids, my family and stuff like that. As far as the athletes, um, I take a lot of advice from uh, coach Johnny Parker, um, which was a lot of the, uh, you know, invest in the kids and all that stuff. You're, you're, we're in the service industry. You know, it's not about how much weight people can lift. It's about them as human beings and stuff. And I really mm. try to try to go by that uh, on a daily basis. You know, we begin all of our weightlifting sessions and we end them with a handshake and how are you guys doing and stuff like that. I mean, communication is key. And, I think it's been a big impact because we've had a couple of our kids actually at the high school go in the Marine Corps and they actually came, you know, made the effort to come by and see me before they left and, you know, thank me for all the time and effort put into them and stuff like that. So I, I think that's huge. And I hope, you know, you can always improve where you're at. So I, every year when it ends, go, well, what could I have done better? So that's pretty much, you know, five years from now, maybe I'll be a better communicator. I'll be able to relate more with people um, than what I can now by having a little kid, maybe. So we'll see. <laughs> What about uh, going back to the military to become a strength and conditioning coach, or do you want to stay with youth athletics? I I think, boy, I think because the military, I mean, it seemed like it would be a good fit because I know that so much, but it's such a – I got so tired of it, and I really like working with sports. I'm an avid sports fan, so it's cool to be able to work with athletes and just go watch them play. So I, I think that's pretty much where I'm going to try to stay as with the, the athletic level. Uh, did you happen to see uh, the Dan Lebetard show last week and his opinion of our profession and the individuals that are in our profession? I did not. Okay, so and and I've and I've reached out to Dan Lebetard multiple times through Instagram. He had two guests on his show, and I, uh, this might have been off of the allegations that came. Uh, on Chris Doyle, the strength coach at the yep. University of Iowa. And I think a lot of people, and I'm going to get on a box right now. I think a lot of people need to understand that the individuals that work in the strength and conditioning profession, we're not a bunch of knuckle draggers. We're not a bunch of guys that are sitting around banging our heads against the locker room or eating an aluminum can or doing anything I mean, there, yes, there are people that do things before a game that make our profession look like a bunch of morons. And I'm going to challenge all the strength coaches out there, understand that you're not only representing yourself, but you're representing our profession. And if you continue to act like complete and utter ass clowns on the sideline and keep doing things that are idiotic and have no place in our profession, you need to stop it. 
and you not only need to stop it for the for yourself because you look like an ass clown but you need to stop it for all the individuals that are coming up in this profession you know most of the people in our profession we have higher degrees we we have over 10 years plus professional experience we're required to do continuing education on a yearly basis to to continue our certification so that we can do our job the best we can for the individuals that we work with. So understand the 2%, I'd even say less than that, the 1% out there acting like complete and utter morons, you need to stop it. Um, and Dan Levitard, I've reached out to you multiple times to talk to you about this. And it's something that I'm trying to raise our level of professionalism in our, in, in what we do so that people like you don't, get on national television and sound like a complete and utter moron talking about a profession that I love and the people that work in it. And, you know, we bust our ass on a daily basis so other people's children can be the best they can. So I'm sorry that I had a little rant there, but he so didn't. What, what happened, Mark? What, what, what did, what exactly did he, did he say? He, 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 he was just saying how, you know, we set the bar low that, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not professional basically. And, and, he, and, and yes, there are some people in our profession and Jeremy can attest to this that act like hype men on the sideline yeah. and are required are required by their coaches to act a certain way to keep their job. And most strength coaches, especially in football, we work as the get back coach. So we make sure that the sideline, they have to be behind a certain line on the sideline so the refs can go up and down the sideline without running into a 300-pound lineman or a coach. Um, so, you know, one of, the, one of the coaches that was referenced was the strength and conditioning coach at Clemson University who was responsible for holding back their defensive coordinator during the game. Um, and – He's been on ESPN about how he has to hold back Coach Vrabels during the game, and, um, and they've done a piece on it. But understand that individual, he has his undergraduate degree in exercise science. He probably more than likely has his master's degree in exercise physiology or some higher education. But all you see is the, the, the five seconds that he has to hold back a, a, defensive, a defensive coordinator because that defensive coordinator cannot control his emotions during the game. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think, uh, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think as far as a strength coach, you know, what I've seen and what we've, the guests that we've talked to on this program, there is a high level of education needed. That CSCS test is no joke. You almost need a master's to be able to, to take and pass that test. But, you know, for anyone who's, you know, an athlete or a parent that doesn't really know much about uh, the strength and conditioning world, you know, you may only see that, that hype piece, which is almost needed. I mean, you, you, you have to, uh, there's an emotional connection you guys I'm sure have to make with your players in order to, to pump them up. But there's, there's thought behind it. There's science, there's a lot of education and a lot of hours learning your craft. But there's also, there's also a time and place for things. I mean, if you if you have to get your 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 athletes hyped up two minutes before the kickoff or tip off, it's too late. Hmm. I mean, it's too late. I mean, the the, the hay's already in the barn. I mean, you it, it's it, it, you shouldn't have to do it. And and head coaches that require their strength coach to be the hype man, 
hire somebody else. Yeah. Hire a hype man. If that's what you want, hire a hype man. I mean, but for the strength coaches out there, and I'm not telling you not to be who you are, because if that's who you are, then be who you are. But understand that you're not only representing, once again, you're not only representing yourself, but you're representing our whole profession. You know, and most strength coaches, they don't want to be seen. They don't want, they don't want any recognition. Like Chris said, when, when you know the athletic trainer and you know the strength coach, it's probably not for a good reason. Yeah. I mean, Chris Doyle, Chris Doyle's been in the news three different times. One for, one for being the highest paid strength and conditioning coach in collegiate, in the collegiate realm. Uh, two for these allegations that are being brought by former players. And then a couple of years ago for the case of rhabdomyolysis that was uh, taking place uh, with the Iowa football program. So, no, by the way, out of those three things, only one of them is a good thing. <laughs> he gets paid $800,000 a year. So, yep. I mean, Jeremy, you can speak on this. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I've been sitting around for two weeks trying to, trying to, one, get in touch with Dan Levitard to talk to him about it, but, you Stew know. Stewing. <laughs> you know. No, I, I agree with, like, it's, uh, it, again, going back to Coach Johnny Parker and all, it's just it's like, the kids are the show. You aren't, like, don't put the attention on you. It's not about you. Like, you're you're responsible for making sure they stay healthy and their performance is where it needs to be. I mean, that's that's it, like prevent injuries and help them perform better. Other than that, let, let them, you know, be the show, you know, you're in the, you're in the background. Don't take credit for anything. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, like with the, the hype stuff, when I was the assistant at Northern Michigan, I'm, I'm very much, uh, I'm not the yelling, screaming, blowing whistle and all that stuff. That's not my personality. Um, pretty much here's what we're doing. Here's, here's how we're going to do it. I go around, I coach people, I talk to people, Hey, how are you doing? How are things going? How is your body feeling? Stuff like that, that communication, which is so important. Like if you're too busy yelling and screaming and blowing a whistle, you cannot communicate with your athletes. And I actually had one of the football coaches come in and then he observed the training and he went to the head strength coach and said, he's doing a crappy job. Like, and just like, but just off of that, because I wasn't yelling and screaming, it's like, you know, and that, that frustrated me. I'm like, who are you to tell me how I am as a coach? I'm just like, you know, our women's basketball team, I'm not trying to toot my own horn because, tra you know, training doesn't go, you know, there's, there's so many factors that come into sports besides training. But our women's basketball team that year went 22 and six is the best season they had since 2001, their first NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament in six years. Our women's lacrosse team had the first ever playoff appearance, best season they've ever had. And, you know, it's, I, I think a lot of it comes down to communication and coaching your kids, like seeing how they're doing on a daily level so you can progress them properly without, you know, running them into the ground, you know, doing the, you know, do as I say, and if you're not going to do that, then get the hell out of here and stuff like that. It's, it's so important to put them first and make them the show. And I think success comes from that. I think uh, another important point that we've brought up before, and again, I think this is what something you posted on Facebook, Mark. Uh, it was Gino Alteromo uh, coming on and talking about his athletes and saying that he doesn't have he, he doesn't coach energy with his athletes. That's not something he should have to coach. You know, the hype and the motivation should be internal at that point uh, at, a, at a higher level. Well, it's got to come from the athlete. I mean, yeah. you know, you're talking you're talking Gino. He's he's not going to go down as well, as the greatest women's basketball coach, he's going to go down as one of the greatest 
basketball coaches, yeah, men or women. And and when you get to when you get to UConn, no, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to coach effort. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to, if you don't want to, if you don't want effort, you're not going to be at UConn. Hmm. I mean, you, you're going to get swallowed up. I mean, once again, the culture that they've that they've um, instilled at UConn. I mean, good luck finding it. I mean, you probably find it at five other schools in the country for women's basketball. I mean, and that's that's a huge part of it. I mean, I I, I do I do think there's a time and place to yell and scream and get hyped. I mean, but once again, if if you yell and scream all the time, kids aren't going to hear you. Mm. I mean, and one of the things that I've done now, it's like if I get mad, I'll talk I'll talk quieter. Like. I'll make them, I'll make them listen, not by screaming, but by talking lower. Like they have to pay attention to me. I mean, if you just, if you just heard, heard my change there, I mean, I went from being blah, 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 to just talking nice and calm. I mean, so, I mean, understand that like the inflection of your voice can change and, and, and that will, the kids will understand that, you know, but, you know, I, I just think, I think right now we have an opportunity as a profession to change not only how the, the profession is perceived, but also take it to the next level and require higher standards of a, a, a code of conduct almost. Yeah. You know, and if you wanna act if you wanna act like an ass clown, maybe you shouldn't be certified by the national body. I mean, maybe you shouldn't be certified by the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association or by the NSCA. And that's fine. I mean, but don't, don't, for the, for the, for the population out there, for the general public, understand that the strength and conditioning coach, you know, we're not a bunch of knuckle dragging morons. Hmm. I mean, we're not, I mean, we have higher degrees, you know, most directors once again, have 10 or plus years in the profession and we're, we're we are required to do a huge amount of continuing education to keep our certification to make sure that we're on top of what's going on in our profession so we can provide the highest level of care for your child. And and, that, and that's what you want. You don't want a knuckle dragger in there that's going to hurt someone or train them improperly. Well, once again, there is a good, there is a time and a place to be a for knuckle dragging. Oh yeah. I'm a knuckle dragger every day. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, and there is a time to get hyped, but like, once again, if you're looking at the sideline and you can pick out who the strength coach yeah. is by what they're wearing or how they're acting, you might want to change what you're wearing and how you're behaving. Amen to that. You know. So Jeremy, uh, what else you got? You had some other points that you wanted to hit. Did we cover everything? What else, what, what do you got? What do you got? You want to bring to the table? I, I boy, I mean, there's, there's I mean. <laughs> There's so much you could go, but um, I I guess one thing I want to talk about too is just a little bit too, and I'll just keep it with the. I mean, this can I guess go to other other sports as as well, but primarily what I seen with some of our lumberjack players is the whole nutrition aspect of the game, or just just the mentality, like to have to understand. Um, you know, I'm I'm 34. I'm not 18 anymore. So trying to relate to those kids, like their goals are completely different. You know, but it, 
it comes to the communication factor again, when you've got somebody coming in, you know, mid season or even preseason and going, Hey, I want to lose weight or I cut my carbs completely, you know, trying to lose stomach fat. I'm just like, you should have been doing that in the off season. Like you're playing <laughs> games right now, cutting your carbs is the dumbest thing you can be doing. You know, it supports your, your energy system for skating. Coach, um, I'm, coach I'm going into keto. Yeah. Just I'm keto diet. No, you're not, not in season. Yep, stuff like that too. Or I need to get faster. It's like, like we can't do that now. Like you know, it's we can maintain where you're at, or hopefully see some improvement. But like to to solely focus on you getting faster because you didn't put in the work in the off season. That should that's on you. Like you should have done your part. So we're not facing this little pandemic right now. So, what's the schedule going to be like? Are are they coming back? I mean. What's going on? Oh, what's boy. Yeah, that's what's hard because right now there's no season schedule released at, at all. And right now it seems like hopefully all is going to go go as planned, um, which is frustrating for, for me as a standpoint, you know, um, as far as like trying to, to plan out the year and all that stuff is you, you don't have a schedule. I mean, I, you know, I, I still send the workouts to our guys, but I mean, it's like it's I don't know what to prepare for or when to prepare them for. So it's it's crazy. Well, and you also don't know what they have, what availability. Um, yeah, yeah, and I've had, I've had to treat everybody like, because um, some people do have access to weights, but the workouts I, I send to all the guys are, I have to assume nobody has access to anything. So I've had to get very creative with body weight stuff. And, you know, I'm, fingers crossed, hopefully more gyms start opening back up so we can start getting heavier heavier lifts in because my fear is once the season starts, not just with the hockey guys, but all the other sports is the injury rates from nobody being able to, to train for strength and all that stuff when you go to, uh, full full sprints and all that stuff. You don't have the brakes or anything. You're gonna tear ligaments or muscle strains and stuff like that. So that's that's a big concern. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see the rate of Achilles, hamstring, and ACL injuries with football and basketball yes. coming off of this pandemic. Yep, it's it's because I'm I'm very scared with the coaches that I've talked with. They say they have an open and honest dialogue with their coaches, but as we know, when players come back, sometimes the best laid plan gets thrown right out the window. Yep. And that coach wants all eight hours on the field or on the court. Yep. And maybe the strength coach will get one or two hours. Yep. Yep. And there's no there's no slowly progressing. You know, it's full blown. We gotta make up for lost time. And that's when, you know, it hits the fan and go, Well, what could we have done better? Like yeah, think, think before before you do it. Let's think what you could do better before you do it. Yes, <laughs> you know, and and a lot of the coaches that I've talked to, I mean, have been basketball coaches, but it, it's or uh, basketball strength coaches, and it's like, you know, when I when I first started, the strength coach was the only coach that they worked with in the summertime, and then we got all eight hours. And then the coaches started fighting for more court time. So then it went to six and two, and now it's at four and four. And I, I, I would hope that the coaches that listen to this understand when their players come back, that if they do a four and four split, it's not going to go that well um, because these players, I mean, basketball players are probably still playing basketball. They're not yeah. getting in the weight room. They're not doing the condition that they need to do. Yeah, but if they can do the first couple of weeks of letting the strength coach work with them so that they're better prepared for when the rigors of the season come come into play, I think you'll see that the the, the likelihood of injury and the and the uh, will decrease. But the, you know, like ramp go 
eight and zero for like the first couple of weeks, then go like six and two. And then, you know, by the end of it, by the end of the summer, maybe be at a oh, four and four before you go back into preseason once yeah. the month is up. So. Mark, is there uh, some kind of resource that collects information on injuries where someone can categorize different injuries and uh, you could compare rates from this year and last year? I would, I would think like the NATA might have something. I mean, they're going to, I, I guarantee you they're going to do something this year with it. I mean, because there's going to be, I think it's going to be through the roof. I mm -hmm. mean, I think everybody remembers when the NFL did their lockout and they came back. I mean, the, the, the number of Achilles that were ruptured and ACLs that were blown out and hamstrings that were tweaked. I mean, we're off the chart and you're talking you're talking what most people consider the highest level of athleticism in this country, you know, the NFL players, but these guys, they get detrained just as, just yeah. as easy as anybody else. I mean, yeah. if they sit around for two weeks and don't do anything, they're back at square, they're back at square one. So, I mean, it, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of time to get trained. It doesn't take a lot of time to get detrained. Yeah, so if, 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 you know, going back to the, going back to working on your brakes, you know, and, and, and I got this from Dr. Nijam out at uh, the University of Kansas. You got to work on your brakes. If the brakes don't work, doesn't matter how well the gas works. Yep. So take care of the brakes first and, and, then, and then worry about the gas. I was uh, all over the place. <laughs> no, no, that, no that's, that's, that's spot on. So it's, it's I agree. Yeah. What else you got, Jeremy? Oh, well, another point and uh, work ethic. Uh, the one, the one thing I really want to touch on is uh, the quote-unquote athlete spotlight. Like athletes need to realize, like especially if you want to go up and play at the college level or making the pros, like you are going to be scrutinized for everything you do. You represent not only yourself but your coaches, your teammates, your organization. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about my first uh, time with the Lumberjacks. We had a goalie who was rated number five in all of North of America. He was supposed to be a, a first round draft pick, um, but his work ethic was, I mean, it was really bad. Like it was like trying to pull teeth to get him to do anything or this always hurt, that always hurt. And we also had another kid who would come in. He never complained. He worked a hundred percent. He didn't, you know, he would still joke around with the guys and that stuff, but his intensity was always my full blown effort towards everything. Well, the goalie never got drafted because the scouts would call and ask about him. And I would be like, be honest up. This is what his work ethic is because they know you can play hockey. They don't care about that. They want to know how you are as a, a person, yeah. what you're, uh, how you represent yourself in the weight room and all that other stuff. And then the guy who came in and gave 100% every day, well, he actually got drafted by the Buffalo Sabres and he didn't even think he was going to get drafted. So just by coming in and going, this is what I got to do. This is what I'm going to do, you know, to maintain my uh, fitness throughout the season and give my best towards the team and then ultimately ended up paying off for him. So yeah, uh, I think it was Mark. What was it episode eleven? Pat Hall. Uh, Pat Hall's the uh, one of the recruiting coaches at uh, Central Connecticut State University. We had him on, and he was talking about how when he goes to recruits, he dresses in plain clothes, doesn't wear any university apparel, and he he's like a ninja. He sneaks up behind yeah. the parents, behind the kid, to find out how he is when nobody's looking. On and 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 what 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 the players that Jeremy works with and some of the players that are in the collegiate world, what you need to understand when you're going to go to the next level, 
the scouts are going to talk to the, the weight room coach. They're going to talk to the strength and conditioning coach. Because once again, the strength and conditioning coach knows you on a different level than the head coach. So the athletic trainer, the strength coach that you work with, they're going to be, the scouts are going to talk to them. I mean, I've talked to an NBA scout. I've talked to one of the cooler ones is I talked to a recruiter for the secret service because one of my soccer players wanted to go into the secret service and he put me down as a reference. Mm. So, you know, I'm in the weight room and this guy comes in, you know, overcoat on tie on briefcase. He's a, and, and he called me. Oh, You started sweating, huh? Well, no, he called me and told me he was coming in, but I mean, what an honor for me, <laughs> what an honor for me for one of my athletes to, think so highly of me that I can speak on him on a personal level to the secret service mm. so he can get the job that he has always wanted to have. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, what, what, what a lot of people need to understand is that once again, like Pat said, everybody's watching you, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's probably not an athlete on your team, on your teams, Jeremy, especially with the junior hockey that there aren't eyes on when, they, when they're, when they're playing a game. Yeah, but what you do off the ice and how you are as a person is going to determine whether you get to that next level. Yes. Yep. I actually had uh, we ha we have a good player this year too, and I'm not going to say names or anything, but he was very very gifted on the ice. Like he he can hold the puck, he can do all this fancy stuff. He's a goal scorer, he's a playmaker, and all that stuff. But in the weight room, it was just, it was just I'm going to come in by myself. And he was he was one of the quote unquote leaders on the team too. And just uh, what you know, we we go to do you know uh, split squats or anything. He grabbed like the 15 pound dumbbells. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like are you, like our goalie's doing you know almost 315 with a barbell on his back, and you're doing 15 pound dumbbells. Like come on, man. And I told all these guys, you know, I do it every year. Is like scouts are going to call me after the end of the year about, you know, potentially drafting you if they're interested in you, make sure you're putting your best effort representing yourself how you want to be seen. So I actually had a scout call about this guy and he said, you know, of course I talked to him and he said, yeah, I'm a hard worker, yada, yada, yada. I'm just like, well, here's my opinion of that. And then a couple of weeks later, I had the strength and conditioning staff for this NHL team call me and talk even more about it. So I'm just like, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, it rolls downhill. Like if you don't think it's gonna come back and bite you, especially as an athlete, you're wrong. It's going to come back and hit you. So you might as well put the effort in and, you know, put your best foot forward, have pride in yourself and pride in the things that you do and it'll reward you in the end. Yeah. Yep. Whether, whether, whether you make it to the professional level or not, if you put your best effort and foot forward, you will always be able to look yourself in the mirror. Yes. Unintended because I got one behind me. Um, and you'll be able to look at yourself in the mirror because that's ultimately who you have to um, answer to. Yep. Awesome. I think that's a good place to leave it there, fellas. Uh, Jeremy, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for your service. Thanks for reaching out to us. Uh, like I said in the beginning, uh, we're open. So if you feel you got something you want to discuss, whether you're a coach, strength coach, athlete, or a parent, uh, give us an email at info at athletehackers.com. Uh, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. We have a Facebook page. Go to all those sources, subscribe, give us thumbs up, share the links, tell your friends about it. Mr. Jeremy, Spellman. Jeremy, how can, how can people reach out to you if they want to talk more X's and O's and, 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 and see what you're doing with hockey and how you're working with the high school athletes? 
All right. Well, first off, thank you guys for letting me be on here. I greatly appreciate it. If you want to reach out to me, uh, I'm on Instagram. It's uh, Coach Jeremy Tormala. If you want to reach out to me, email. Uh, I'll never not respond to anybody. It's jeremy.tormala at alumni.n, as in Nike, mu.edu. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Jeremy. Good luck to you in this come up upcoming season. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great, have a great day. Make it the best you can. All my best. God bless. See Peace. you when we see you. Peace. <laughs>